Welcome to the Whistle Mission Outdoors Podcast. I am Jim. I'm Pat. And we are a podcast dedicated to the outdoors for the states of Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan, Indiana. If your state borders Lake Michigan, this podcast is for you. We cover anything outdoors, especially hunting, fishing, mountain biking, conservation, any issues you got concerning the outdoors. And remember, if you can hear this podcast, that means you can be on it. Email us at whistlemissionpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome and enjoy the show. Are you doing did, turkey calls? Did you uh, record that? I think I got a piece of it, yeah. Oh, that was me uh, trying to like... What is it? How's it go? That's a female elk. Mew, 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 mew. But, you know, obviously they don't sound like that, but... I got a call over there if you want to try it. It's a diaphragm. It's been in my mouth a thousand times, so as long as you're okay with that. Yeah, we're brothers. So. It's over there on the coffee table. We'll grab it. <laughs> we haven't kissed before. I mean, <laughs> Dan and I share turkey calls all yeah. the time. It's <laughs> hey, <spit> over here. <laughs> So Dan Brott's back, everybody, and he's got an exciting thing that just changed changed his life. Oh yes, not not like actually totally. I mean, it is official. He's uh, yeah, he's finally getting married. Is that what it is? Oh no! Oh, uh, I so wish she'd listen to this podcast. I would I would hammer down on that every week if I knew she listened to one of them. I would get even more shook. Like <laughs> even your friends are asking. <laughs> uh, is she on you? Is she on you pretty good? Mm-hmm. Oh, not, yeah. They always, I'm, they do that. I don't know what it is. They do that. I'm not going to comment about me in fear of. Is she, uh, is she bugging you about it? Uh, indirectly. Indirectly. How does she, I'm just curious. Can you t- give me an example of indirect? Oh, uh, her mom. Oh, her that's mom. pretty yeah. direct. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, her mom's like, yeah, you know, no. Okay. So now this is going to be a bad topic to get into. I, I, whatever, if they listen, but the one day I was at work and I get pictures of rings on hands and I'm like. I'm like, what is going on? You know, her mom's taking them. She's taking them. I would have been like, what's that like, thing on her hand? Take they were that like, off. oh, she loves this jewelry store in DeKalb. I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> they all like, love that sparkly. In, in fact, me and Kel went shopping today. Like I was telling you guys, but I'm going to say it again on the podcast. So I did not know there was an REI in Orland. Kel swears she told me, but I did not know. But right across the parking lot pretty much is Jared's where I got her engagement wedding ring. We should stop in there and see what... No, we're not going to stop in there and see what they... I know what they have. They have sparkly, expensive stuff. We were not stopping in there. You know? Let's get the useful, expensive stuff at REI. We're going to get into uh, talking about bows. You want to do that after the news and all that with him? Yeah. I mean, but just uh, real quick, uh, what'd you do this week? So I was going to tell a quick story about what me, me and Kelly literally just got done minutes before you guys walked in. Um, I t- So she never wants to go shed hunting with me, and she decided to go this time. She likes trails. She doesn't like off off trails so i want to say this because you'll know the you'll know the geography of it a little bit more pat you might even too dan um so we parked at the arboretum you know where the arboretum is yeah okay cross to over so we're heading east okay turn left a little bit headed north walked followed some game trails just Kelly had to go bowling tonight so she decided we got to be back by 4 15 so it was like 4 3 50 and she goes all right let's start turning back so we turn back we start heading back south back to where we would like cross over Galgar, right? And we're walking and we're walking and we're walking. And I see Galgar Road the whole time. It's on my right. And we're walking, we're walking, we're walking. And all of a sudden I look, I said, Cal, that's the archery range. <laughs> that's that's, funny. A, that's a, there, I, she goes, how do you know? I said, there's a pipeline and there's the archery range. So think about what I just told you for geography. We went way the hell. We walked an extra mile without yeah. knowing it, thinking we're almost back to the car. We walked a mile back. Well, we just did some scouting at an undisclosed location. Um, 
and we walked way out there to where it was like a, what was it like a half an hour walk back? Oh yeah, at least. And um, the plans to go back tomorrow, right? Yeah, we were we were way off the beaten path, muddy shoes, and then the funny thing was is the way we walked out, wind was at your back, right? So everything's warm, comfy, cozy, and then on the way there, it's like full frontal, just cold. You know, and we're like, <laughs> yeah, I had my hood up on the way in, so I was fine. And walking out, yeah, walking out, hood, hood matter. You had your hunting jacket on, didn't you? Yeah, but like when the wind's facing you, it's catching up in your hood. It doesn't really make that much of a difference. Really? Okay. Versus I thought it was when it's to your back. Man, it's I funny hate me, it when they be up in my hood. Me and Cal got hot out there. I'm like, man, I wish I didn't wear so much. I had a hoodie with that puffy coat on. And we were walking through like cornfields too. Like, oh yeah, wind gets just, whipping. Yeah, it was just wide open. So. Yeah, around here, the next thing that break that is St. Louis. You know, that's the yeah. closest thing to break that wind. <laughs> we're um, excited about that though. We got to take you back there. That's uh, well, we're talking about going tomorrow, so that's I'd, I'm totally down. So let me know. You know, yeah, I'd be this. down for cracking out early and going. I got to make uh, my way out to the suburbs too because I got stuff at that archery shop. So. Might as well, that's uh, up north, isn't it? The one in Villa Park, Pat said. Yeah, but it's it's it's, it's kind of the way back home, but not so much. I mean, I gotta be in the suburbs one way or another, so might as well. Uh, I'm uh, totally down. You know, you you make it to Pat's house, Pat. You come here, I could continue driving. Now that you want to scoop me up, and we keep driving down there. So, up to you. Anyway, we could figure yeah. that out later. Yeah. Anyway, tell me more about your week, Pat. You didn't say nothing. Um. Hmm. I bought uh, some very expensive archery products. Like what? Uh, stabilizer. I, I've been like not wanting to buy a stabilizer because I can't fathom spending that kind of money on a tube. So, but I, I broke down and I did it. So I do say there, there's got to be something to be said about actually buying a real stabilizer because they're balanced, you know, versus making your own. Like I know we can make something with the threads, but when you're holding one of those stabilizers, don't they feel more balanced than just a rod, just a tube? Yeah. And the other thing too, like when I made my broomstick stabilizers which still is a good idea you just got to do it on a lathe uh you definitely got to do it on a lathe so it's center you know i did mine freehand on a bench and a vice yeah and, and i imagine it, get, it gets you if you counterweight it right i think it'd be just fine yeah you know but so, well, i know they're expensive but i got a feeling there are a lot there's a lot more that goes into a stabilizer and we're giving credit to us it's a tube with a thread in the end but i think it goes i think there's more to it you know so mine like the ones that i made Especially like the super duper long one. I made just like a crazy, crazy. I don't know if you guys saw it, but I made like an incredibly long one where the arrows damn near hitting the end of it. And uh, if you turn that thing a quarter turn, you'll be off like three feet at 50 yards. Like, I, know, I thought that thing not. was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, turns out it's really hard to weld broomsticks. So just remember that. So any anything else with your, uh, with your week you want to talk about? Dan, how about you? Yeah. Dan, what'd you do? Well, I bought a bow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He went. It. He went with the uh, the the one that everybody else would buy, which is the Matthews. You know, Matthews V three X. Yep. I, honestly, I don't follow all this stuff. Like, I like I bought my bow, so I don't look anymore. If that makes sense. No, it makes know? sense. Like, you know, I looked at Hoyt. I looked at Matthews. and kind of understood that. Like, I was very shocked. I told Pat I was very shocked you didn't get a Hoyt. As very, I, I, if if somebody said bet a thousand dollars, what bow is Dan gonna buy? It would have been a Hoyt. I would have said the same thing. And uh, going to the shop, I shot a Matthews Hoyt, and I shot an Elite. Pat, me and Pat were talking. Do you remember what Elite one you shot? The Encore. Encore. That's it. E N K O R E. Yep. Yeah. So I shot the Hoyt first. Felt great. Um, shot the Matthews second. All like, same poundage. Yeah, I mean, like give or take a few pounds. Yeah. Um, and just a mat. Matthews. Like the Hoyt was a close second, but just I don't know that Matthew just felt great in my hand. Um, the vibration was like minimal. The noise was dampened incredibly. Why uh, not the Elite? Tell me why not? Because I love my Elite. That's why I'm asking. Why not the Elite? 
Um, <clears throat> I didn't shoot the elite. I don't think that they didn't have any, but I shot the encore and like so. That's I the elite. Oh yeah, that's right. That's the brand. My bad. Uh, so I shot the Matthews. So it went Hoyt Matthews um, elite, and after shooting the Matthews and shooting elite, like you just feel like so much more vibration in your hand um, in the in the elite in the elite like i never thought i would ever notice it like that but after shooting a boat it dampens it that much i it was just i shot one from the elite i'm like yeah you we can put this aside i definitely want to get a look at that um i just wonder if there's something i could do different i want to i want to see what that's like and then see if there's something you, do you have any ideas of changing that on our boat's pad or no something that, make it a quieter damp dampen the noise more i mean running. you'd have to get those fluffies that they put on the string okay um that's a big move, though, Dan. That's a big, big move. That's a huge move, man. Uh, it's a really pound? nice bow. 70 pounds? Yes, it's 60 to 70, so you can adjust it. Um, that big of a difference, though, huh? Because like, they say with ours, you can do 2%. And so, well, I mean, without, so what would that be, Pat? We're maxed out, yeah. though. So with- Yeah, but I mean, I think the lowest, ours are 60s. And yeah. I think I pulled 62 on mine. Isn't, didn't I get 62 out of mine? And, yeah, uh, they break in about a pound or two under. So think you're, you might just be right at 60. Okay, so let's say 60. But what's 2% of 60 then? Do that math. Come on. Come on. Uh, let's see. Uh, 1% of 60 would be 0.6. So we're talking 1.2 pounds. Yeah, so I mean, you're talking if you adjust it down, we're still effective. They still say it's only like, let's say a minimum of 56 out of a 60-pound bow. So I'm just surprised you can go 10 pounds because I know ours wouldn't go 10 pounds. Yeah, there's an adjustment at the top of the, the risers. Um just like a screw, you can tighten it, you can loosen it. You'll probably uh, just tighten it up and leave it at 70, just right? tighten and just leave it there. Yeah, um, 70 is a good bet. Pat, Pat actually got a quote on turning ours into 70s. Are we doing that or what? Did you ever make a call? or? Uh, well, I, I was going to go back there and check on that when we picked up his bow. Oh, okay. But I, uh, I'm totally down to do that. Um, I'm, We can call up, though, because she made a slip. It's, like, totally official. So, Okay. So, uh, tell you what, since we're rambling, you want to get into the news? Yeah. Did you send me your articles, Pat? I uh, did, yeah, I did. So anybody that, obviously you guys aren't here, I added a monitor so we can all see the articles we're talking about. Did you so, get that for free? Uh, no comments. Yeah, I got it for free. I'm not going to tell you from where, but yes, I got it for free. It's old, and yes, I got it for gonna free. going to be in the lunchroom at work like, hey, didn't we have a TV? <laughs> <laughs> what happened to the TV? There was no, there was no TV in here. Uh, so I don't see your emails. I got oh, okay. There we go. So real quick, I um, oh go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. One one last thing before the news. Uh, so I was at work and I was messing with some people because we have a mezzanine up on the top of the shop where you can just kind of like nobody goes to look. So I just went up there with my turkey call, and I've done this before, but I just kind of started making like. I love the way that sounds. I really do. And no, this was the mouth read, so it's like oh okay, two thousand percent louder. And uh, two thousand. That's a lot, Dan. <laughs> So the lady that I work with, she said, uh, you know, you're a little messed up. And do you think she meant the pitch or the cadence? Uh, I'm guessing that it, because it's a female that doesn't hunt, she's thinking you're just screwed up for making yeah, those yeah, noises. Yeah, that's exactly what she was <laughs> saying. What but I'm th- this is coming from a lady that buys a bunch of horses and stuff. So, And I'm sure it sounds like a dying turkey. No. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I just thought that was funny. Hey, I want to make a note here. I know this is Dan's second appearance on the show, and I know Phil is going to listen to this. Phil, you're coming on. We just haven't – we just we kind of fell off touch. So, But, Phil, you're coming on. Phil wants to do this. I know he wants to do this. Well, get him out of here I you mean, know phil easy. right uh he phil, phil basil he did the uh he did the uh whatchamacallit the other softball team we always played against the guys that we were always kind of cool with he even played for us a couple times to I'm, fill in i'm sure guy. once i see him or if i see him like oh yeah yeah we, oh you we, know him he yeah 
I'm actually shocked you don't know him because he knows everybody. Like, there's not a person. Yeah, yeah, he knows everybody in the world, so I'm a little shocked. But, Phil, if you're listening, we are definitely going to have you on as soon as you text me. So, anyway, you want to go first, Pat? Uh, sure. You want me to go first? You didn't sound pretty sure there. No, this one, um, so I didn't, there's a lot of information in this article. Which one? Top to bottom. Which one are you going with Uh, This one's from the Detroit News for Michigan, obviously. Uh, there is a huge thing. And I originally got this article from an email. That's how worried they are about this because I'm, I don't know if you got it too, Dan, but we bought a turkey ticket last year or a turkey tag or harvest authorization. I did get this email from uh, Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you actually got it from these guys, DetroitNews.com. Like, no, no, no. The DNR. From the DNR. Oh, okay. But it's all the you. same. They're topic. pretty good. But I get like emails from them like pretty often. So yeah. I don't mean to like butt in. I'm just. And, and remember when we got the original tag? Like they sent it to you in the mail and stuff like that. Yeah. In Wisconsin. <laughs> but uh, butt in, Dan. Don't worry about butting in. You're not butting in. Uh, yeah. Dude, interrupt anytime you want. But anyway, so there is a highly pathogenic. If I'm saying that wrong, forgive me. No, nope, uh, you got it. Avian influenza. In uh, wild birds, subtype H5N1. Yeah, I don't. It, so it, I'm just curious. Like you guys are smart guys. So does that mean hydrogen five, nitrogen one? Does that mean <laughs> that's is the way the I five read lower? That. Are they lower? A little bit. Look at this. <laughs> yeah. But uh, nitrogen wouldn't be notated as nitrogen one though. It'd just be N. So it'd be uh, H5N. But anyway, um, you know, covalent bonds. But anyway, no, not, not to get nerdy. <laughs> Don't even know if it's a covalent bond. I just want to use this like that word. Yeah, um, <laughs> I know where you're going. I know some people that listen to this podcast are like, "No, that's a," you know. But anyway, um, so the virus has been identified in like free ranging Canada geese. Um, they pulled a couple swans. This article, I owls, think, was I saw too. Where did I see that? Oh, and owls were infected. Yeah. So this one is actually a. I think it's fresh from today, but originally they had just pulled. Um, I think six geese, three swans, but it's in three areas in uh, March 24th. It's it's in three areas in uh, which I'm gonna call it um, Michigan, like three counties, I think. So, do you remember last year? Uh, I think it was last year. The Indiana news feed was just filled with you can't use your bird feeders, and I'm thinking, okay, whatever. Uh, not a big deal. Don't have a bird feeder. Don't live in Indiana, you know. And I just kind of breezed over it, but I, I kind of think this is why, and uh, so it can affect any any bird. Is it deadly to these birds? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It kills. Uh, I don't think it kills all of them, but um, they do it. They want you to like the reason for this article is they want you to start reporting it because they want to know just how bad this is going to get. What do they want you reporting? Did you uh, mass dead birds? Oh, so if you see a dead bird, they want you calling it. Yeah. So if you obviously see, if it's not road call, don't bother. Right. I mean, they, if you're they have the a specific and, number in here somewhere, but uh, will, uh, yeah, there was uh, at first it was just in farms. Now yeah, it's actually but, spreading to. Like, you know, game. If I so. find time, this will be on the website. I kind of forgot about last week, but 517-336-5030. So they want you to call DNR with that. But, yeah, this is a uh, – Can it pass on to humans? That's the thing. So it's it's kind of like uh, – I'm sure it can pass on to humans, and it's very rare when it does happen. Uh, but now you're going to see me if we do get a turkey this year. I'll be wearing gloves and here's might a, even wear a mask. I don't know. Here's a here's an interesting statement. In, infected wild birds have been found in at least 21 states. The virus has been circulating and migrating waterfowl in Europe and Asia for nearly a year. But they they had a big problem with the same strain in 2015. And now it's kind of like making a resurgence. So this is kind of like, think of this as the COVID. That resulted in 50 million chickens and turkeys. Yeah. Wow, in 2015. Hopefully that was like 49 million chickens and just 1 million. Oh, so this is like more than just like a 
conservation, like wildlife issue. This is like to say, how affecting does like like the, chicken why, farms and this just said migrating birds and this says chickens down here. I wonder what they so the migrating meat. birds spread it like crazy because they're feces. Oh, into the chickens. Yeah, the migrating birds. Okay, I gotcha. And they land anywhere, you know, <clears throat> drop their stuff, and then uh, stuff comes comes along and gets sick that way from it. You know, as we know from COVID, viruses are pretty smart. They know how to move on. So 200 so. farms in 15 states causing the federal government $1 billion and the poultry industry That was in 2015. Billion. I know, but those are some... Good I mean... Thing. Good that, thing I eat more beef than uh, chicken. Yeah, yeah, right. I don't eat chicken. I, it's yard bird. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't yard like bird. it. Yard uh, bird? I love ch- I, I, you, I just... Chicken. Real quick, I just like... I, I know you guys are going turkey hunting. Doesn't this... This bird looks like he needs to be shot in this picture, doesn't he? Like, right right about there. Well, like, that's a she. <laughs> but, Bam! Uh, no, that's, that's a he. He's got a beard. Oh, All right, let's transition. Are you done there, Pat? Yeah, it's done. Let's transition into, I got a bird article then. Two eagles died from lead poisoning this month. And I'll give you the gist of this article. I was just reading it. Um, they are saying this is from uh, lead in uh, buckshot, which I just find hard to believe is that big of a, uh, a deal. But they go into talking about, let me see if I could find it, uh, gut piles. So they're saying that it is a... Uh, it is an infection from lead in the gut piles. So the eagles swoop down, eat the gut piles, and they are getting into lead. And they're they're making it a big deal. And it, I guess it is a big deal. I don't like to see dead eagles from anything caused by humans. Uh, 25 acre. No, let's see. I guess this, did they find these eagles with? They found them dead, I guess. They found them dead. The, like- one, the one in here, they brought in and it eventually died. So... And confirm lead poisoning. And are they guessing that it came from like a buckshot? Or? That's what they're, yeah. Other forms of emission. So suffering, such suffering is largely preventable, experts say, with studies showing the strong link between widespread lead poisoning and eagles and the use of lead ammunition by deer hunters, which I find amazing that they they specifically say deer hunters and not duck hunters. You'd think there'd be a lot more lead shot out there for a duck hunter. Well, they're kind of what I was is, thinking. Isn't it legal to use lead ammunition um, for waterfowl? Uh, I'm pretty sure you have to have uh, lead-free ammunition. You have to have lead, or you have to have like a copper-cased, uh, like lead projectile. So oh, it's so still the lead, it's not exposed. Yeah, so like if if you miss, it doesn't leach. I'm not a I'm bird hunter, so I don't know. So that ammunition that says lead-free is not lead-free. Uh, oh no, that is. It's probably tungsten. Well, they were steel. they got into this. They, they advertise it as steel shot. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, still. Uh, Tungsten's really expensive, though. Like, tungsten is so th- they're trying to push that on jigs for fishing, and let's say a pi- you know this pack of five jigs that's lead is two fifty, and this pack same pack same size everything in tungsten's like eleven. You know it's it's very expensive. It's very expensive, and it's like it's. I guess you're doing your part, but it is expensive. If they w- if they want you to use it, they'll make it more affordable. So I feel like this is a push, because I I've, I heard about this on a different platform. I feel like this is a push for like anti-hunters to like make more of a case yeah it really is if you ask me but the lead poisoning i know is a big deal but the one thing is is this lead poisoning is just coming into light really i think they're making a big deal out of it lately so they've been using lead for how long and we're just starting to make a a, a complaint about it now you know and the other thing too I, i'm pretty sure there's gonna be less lead ammunition out there now than there ever has been before i did not say it but that's from chicago tribune U.S. banned the use of lead ammunition in wildfire fowl hunting in 1991. Yep. So there you go. Yeah. That- <clears throat> uh, due in part to concerns that the birds were experiencing lead poisoning, and California banned all lead hunting ammunition in 2019. All lead. Mm-hmm. 
So does that mean if you're like you're shooting a thirty at six, it's not lead in the end of that? Then it must be right. That's I'm, interesting. Uh, I'm not sure. Lead hunting ammunition was ban was introduced in Illinois in the Senate in 2019. It and that didn't just for gain any traction. Right? That must just be for waterfowl. I do know like buckshot is still lead. I know that. You know, not that I've I've done any. Uh, look at this guy. I'm a pro hunter. I'm pro conservation. I'm also pro eagle. I agree with that. I'm pro eagle too. It's I mean it's a national bird. <laughs> well, they're coming back though. Like around here, me and Evan were out in the canoe the other day on the Displains River, which when we were kids there were no eagles, none. We saw four. You know, so they're they're making a way back down where they're supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like every, every time we go up north, we see an eagle. I think me and you even saw an eagle last year in the UP. I'm, yeah. Oh, they are they live up there. If I'm talking sh- about down in this area, it's kind of... Oh, yeah. Yep. When we were hunting in the select places we are, I, I definitely saw a few this year, for yeah. sure. Oh, easily. But oh, I mean, I've seen yeah. them in, up here in Lamont, you yeah. know? So, and then right over here across the hospital, we uh, there was photographers. There was one circling the hospital. That was kind of cool to watch. I but I, I do get the angle, but like at the same time, uh, I, I mean, this isn't one of our arguing points. This is a news article, but uh, I feel like that would have to result in a lot of people killing something and not recovering it. No, that is true. And what did they say? Two eagles. Um, Two eagles, but they were saying because of gut piles, which. It, Yours, remember, we made wow. a gut pile out of yours. Me mm-hmm. and Pat were there two weeks later. Yep. That that thing looked like it's been sitting there a thousand years. You know, the gut pile was gone. There was yeah. zero remnants of the gut pile. Yeah, it was, it was a neatly stacked set of bones. Yeah, I feel like you need a little bit more evidence that that's like the true cause of it before you start going making legislation to ban, you know, certain ammunitions. Yeah. I, it, I'll tell you what, like today walking around, I was at Barnes & Noble and I was looking at books and it was like, you know, great leaders over the last hundred years, and you read it, and it says, like, you start reading the description, it's like how Donald Trump destroyed all, and it, it just went into this horrible. But pretty much, a lot of this media and a lot of writers are anti any of the stuff we're for. So yep. we're we're not going to find a lot of articles that are in in favor of what we're talking about. Yeah, you know? when we contribute to conservation more than any of them possible well we started all the ammunition we buy all the clothes and all the that excess tax that we pay yeah what do they call that tax pat come Ex- on the excess oh. tax no there, there's a name for it there's the, a, yeah, the, the one the, the is that the one where you like I, I forget what percentage of every gun sale yeah is, it is all goes back in uh i'm constantly donating to con- conservation you know like my my licenses are expensive and i'd buy them for two or three states and yeah, yeah. We're, and not just that but we started a podcast just so there was more of a local voice for it <laughs> and uh we I pumped what, like a hundred? I probably pumped about a hundred bucks into Wisconsin last year, hundred fifty into Michigan. Oh yeah, I spent a lot of money in Wisconsin. You know, um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's it's you know, it's not even that's not even tourism. Like any of that's not even tourism. That's it's got just a, straight conservation. It's got a name though. So somebody, somebody act or something. You got it there. Pittman and Robinson Act. Yeah, that's it. Pittman Robinson Act. But uh, uh, so, so anyway, so- moving on to Indiana, uh, the way to Michigan. Um, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> he he said it, Indiana. No, I. Dude, Our buddy I, Sam's gonna more be very, time. The more time I spend in Indiana, the more I like. Our it. buddy Sam in Southern good. Indiana's gonna ring to it. Is gonna <laughs> very the, upset. The way, well, I mean, okay, so that's how ignorant Chicago land people feel about Indiana. Is that <laughs> it's just the it's the way to Michigan. You got to go through here if you're gonna go to Michigan. Anyway, uh, a popular put-in spot for kayaks and canoes is uh, this is kind of the last year for it. It's a Wildcat Creek Park. Meant to do this article about a, I don't know, about a month ago when it originally came out. But anyway, it's still relevant. Um, so they turns out the county leases this from the DNR, 
and this is their last year for the lease. They want to move because up and downstream of like right in this put in, they get a lot of calls for people drowning and why? I wonder bad why. Bad set of rapids. I think it's about a set oh, of rapids, but man, uh, it can't be that big of a deal, right? I mean, but you the, and me made it through a set of rapids. We almost didn't, but we did. <laughs> <laughs> well, we almost just got pushed back down. But uh, <clears throat> yeah. So anyway, um, they're they're planning on moving it to a different park. Uh, they haven't said which one yet. Um, there was one that they had a. Uh, I gotta find it here. There was one that they had in mind, but uh, I guess this is like a really big spot for this, and it's actually ran by the county now. If the DNR owns it, I'm sure there's still going to be a way for you to put in here. Just not going to have the focus that the other spots do. I just got the article you sent me here. Ooh, um, Bicentennial Nature Area near US 52. Um, it's a big piece of land, and they said it can you know offer even more opportunities than um, this one did. Not just you know river access, but then you know think about a big park with more facilities, and you know I'm sure there would be like volleyball areas and stuff like that. You know, this moving can be a good thing. We got our one text message, but this moving could be, you know, a, a good thing for everybody that puts in there. You might not get the same river access that you want. Now, everybody thinks, well, a river is a river, but I'm sure people went there because of the rapids, right? I imagine there's got to be some thrill of it. Yeah. Because, I, I, for instance, if I was to launch there knowing it was there, I would that would be part of the fun for me. Sure. But, I mean, keep in mind, we thought about the Chris McCandless thing, you know, up in the Alaska where they had to tow that bus away. But they, they did that because people were going up there dying trying to get up there. So well, if they feel was, the same way about this place. That was a pretty treacherous area. What what a lot of people, tourism season up where that bus is, is July. So Chris McCandless went in there in, what was it, May? I think he, he yeah. Bought, so yeah, it was a lot safer, you know? So it's kind of a stupid thing to like just say, oh, a lot of people are dying. Well, why? Yeah. Because they're not going in there at the same time that other people have. Uneducated. You can crack that beer. Don't worry about it, Dan. I cracked mine right in the microphone. It's a beer, uh, <laughs> pro beer you, podcast. You made a fart face when you did it, though, so... Especially yeah, Bushlight, you know. We, we, I even know. Speaking of which, I don't know. But we got another Bushlight, Billy. I haven't heard from him in a couple of weeks. Like, I just haven't heard from is he the okay? guy. I don't know. Didn't get by go one do of a check. Cats, right? I haven't heard from him. I'm sure Kel's talked to him. No, <clears throat> I, I don't know. I don't think so. Um. Anyway, Bill, we miss you. Um. So is that it for this? Yeah, that's it. So keep an eye out. Uh, this is the last year. Uh, the new one they said is going to be in Bicentennial, uh, Park near US 52. Um, so before I click on this next one, this one is for you guys. Cause you're talking about Turkey hunting. Cause I could definitely see both of you guys, especially Dan getting interested in this. So this one is called good and riddance to Sandhill crane hunting season, at least for now. And huh. this is from madison.com. So this goes into sand Hill crane hunting and we could have made a killing on those in the UP. Well, here's the thing. So the, like yeah. they were saying at one point, uh, only about a dozen breeding pairs were left in Wisconsin. And now let me go into some of the numbers here. They were in here. So 90,000 live east of the Mississippi River, and nearly half of them are in Wisconsin. They go and see this this see this little comment. This is what I'm talking about how they like Yeah, I've heard of these that they're like uh the ribeyes in the sky. <laughs> yeah, they have they have like kind of like a beef taste to them. I guess they're fantastic. Yeah, I I've I've really want to hunt um so sandhill cranes at some point. 90,000, all right. So that means it, if it's half, 45,000 live in Wisconsin. And you know, the one uh one part of this they were saying how the farmers were like they're allowed to shoot these things because they are destructive. Uh, Doesn't this kind of go right back here. to the wolf conversation, though? Uh, farmers wouldn't kill fewer sandhill cranes because the birds eating uh, seedlings, especially corn. 
But farmers already have tools to respond. They may kill problem cranes in their fields if they have permit from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. They can also apply non-toxic chemicals to their crops. But then there you go. Then somebody else is going to complain that there's another additive to our crops. Yeah. But if Wisconsin did authorize a hunting season, the DNR would set harvest and permit limits to try and secure overall population of the sandhill crane. Unfortunately, these limits don't always hold. Now, here's where the propaganda part, this is where the opinionated part starts coming in. Hunters sometimes kill more animals than the DNR allows, and they go into the uh, wolf hunt where it was set for 119, and they ended up killing 215. A lot can change in a day. You know, yeah. if you get the weather right where things are moving, and I, I could see where everybody had a tag, they were only expecting so many to get filled, and the day was perfect, and everybody happened to be out there. And, you know, I'm not exactly for the wolf hunt. I'm not against the wolf hunt. I just wouldn't do it. Oh, so um, is that like setting a target of 119, but they're going to issue like 400 permits? Right. that, you know, 25% success rate type of thing. Right. And they figure, you know, we're going to, out of three guys, one of them might come away with one. Yep. You know? Got it. And that way sales goes up, but then, but this actually backfired. And that's what I mean. <laughs> you, all of a sudden, you could just get the perfect day where the wolves are moving, you know? Or let's say the three of us uh, lived on the same farm. We mm-hmm. all had a tag. We knew there was a whole uh, pack of them living somewhere. We all filled that tag. And you know. they're considering just removing the hunting season for sandhill cranes in Wisconsin, yeah. or they're going to? They're uh, so, let's see, sandhill crane, uh, what were they saying? It's causing the whooping crane. So that was one of the articles I, I almost did in Indiana was uh, the rare whooping crane. They said that they're not prevalent, but they, mm-hmm. they're a migratory bird. So their, their stop in Indiana is, you know, either now or pretty recent. So lawmakers this year considered two companion bills to create a sandhill crane hunting season managed by the DNR. Neither passed before the legislature finished its regular business for the year, which is good, but expect this issue to return. So no, they don't have a they don't actually have a authorized season now, but uh, they pretty much just like oh we got it paused, but it, it'll be back, mm-hmm. you know. So that's kind of what they mean by this. I think good good riddance to sandhill crane hunting for now. Got it. But uh, man, if there's that many of them and they're you know. I, part of the part of this whole thing is to hunt them, so I just don't see a problem with hunting. Them. How many are estimated in Wisconsin? Forty five thousand. Okay, and that's just Wisconsin. Just Wisconsin. Okay. Um, Where was it? What, so what did that ninety thousand represent? Sorry, I was a little uh, east of the Mississippi. Okay. Um, and the one thing that like they start talking at the heartstrings. Where do they say it? Uh, they say that they mate for life, and they're trying to make it sound like they're husband and wife, and so like this this really tugs at the heartstrings. Um. They go in and talking about this right here. Destruction of habitat in the 18th, 19th centuries. What do they say? Only a dozen breeding pairs after the 18th and 19th centuries. But what they didn't tell you during that is they did that to a lot of animals. For instance, like we had elk in Illinois. We don't have elk in Illinois anymore. Yeah. You know, so cool. We used to have bison in Illinois. We no longer <laughs> have bison in Illinois. So like they make it sound like, oh, they, they, these evil people in the 18th and 19th centuries went after these sandhill cranes. No, they went after everything. You Can you know? imagine hitting an elk with your car? Well, I, I'd, I'd much rather hit an elk than a moose. I, think, I wonder who would die. <laughs> I, I think more would be like the, the elk car for you. Sure. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, like I think I would be in more trouble than the elk in my Honda Civic. But uh, uh, I love how they threw this Ted Nugent uh, saying, ribeyes in the sky. I could picture they, him saying they, that. They <laughs> always use him to make fun of a conservation issue. Uh, oh, yeah. See how ridiculous like the other opinion. But when you're on this side of things, you look at Ted Nugent like, thank God a guy with money can speak up for us. He's a little on the nutty side. Don't get me wrong. But So do you remember when we were in um, uh, Michigan in the UP? And we, me and Dan were running around 
and we found this one area and we saw a million of these, but they look like you put three pieces of mastacholi on the ground and then picked them up in that pattern. And uh, we were like, dude, turkeys here, you know. Oh, and those are the Sand Hill Cranes you're saying? Yeah. And oh, then okay. the whole time we were there, that's all we saw was just cranes. Just, big, they're big skinny birds, right? They don't have any. They're huge. Their wingspan is just intimidating when they fly over you. Pretty loud when they're up on you, too. And, and when they're <laughs> yeah like their just, call it's pretty it's i don't know if i've wild. ever had a, i'm sure i've had a run in with them but I, I i don't know enough about them i wish oh these things here this is what they are yeah i don't know if it was exactly sandhill crane but it, it was yeah, a, but it was a, a member crane. of the crane family well I, i'm impressed with some of the big blue herons you see there's a lot on the displays river and in the springtime when they're all squawking from their nest they are big we used to remember we used to call them pterodactyl nests mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah we used to scare my sister but i was thinking that, that's what i had in mind uh, when I was thinking of Sandhill Cranes. But no, these actually, look at that. That's got a good piece of meat right here, back here. I bet you that would be a good bird to eat. <laughs> Jim, I, Jim's I, sitting here dissecting one with a mouse. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't that, that, this looks like there should be some good meat right here. I could definitely see the ribeye in the sky, the breast meat, just like they say off a duck. Yeah. You know? I, I watched them hunt them on a certain show, and the meat looked it looked incredible. It, it genuinely looked like beef. Deep red? Like, uh, yeah, we might Google it here, actually. Um, um, let's see. Sandhill... Should we make you our, uh, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, I know, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> What's that, man? So we should make, you, know, you listen to that one, too. We should, it kind of sounds oh, like yeah. your name. yeah, look at this. This is almost like. Yeah, look at that. Wow. Yeah, that is some, phenomenal. Folks, Man. what we're looking at here is some beautiful meat that looks like beef. Bad radio. I can't believe. Uh, but it's not. I can't believe that <laughs> came off that bird. Bad you know? radio. Google, I just Google Sandhill Crane Meat, and you'll see what I mean. That I would eat that. Like, oh, this right here looks, looks fantastic. Oh. I'd give that to Bush Light Billy to smoke up. I bet you that'd be fantastic. I'll make that crazy trader. noise. I think I'm looking at a beef tenderloin right now. Cut up. Yeah. I can't believe that's that bird, honestly. Anyway, it was kind of rambling. So we're going to go into the segments if we have them. I'm sure it'll be a Kelsey's Corner. I'm not sure about Bush Light Billy. Uh, but, yeah, here they are. So I'm excited to announce that Bush Like Billy did make a comeback this week. We haven't seen you. We missed you. Pat was asking about you. Yeah, you know? I had a little bit of some uh, some stomach issues last week. So. Oh, did you? Yeah. I, oh, I didn't okay. tell you about that? No, not at all. Yeah, I think I had food poisoning from some Mexican food I had. Ugh. Yeah, I was, that a bitch. Oh, it was terrible. I was just toilet ridden all last weekend pretty much. Well, I know you said you haven't listened to last week's episode yet, but the one thing I did introduce, now you probably saw it on Facebook or something, but I made you your very own. Pat, you and Pat got the first installment. Of the whiskey, the pop. whiskey pop. So that is your whiskey pop. Do with it whatever you'd like. Oh, this is mine. That is yours. You and Pat got first editions. You guys own really? One. Yeah, I don't even own one. Let's just put it that way. You and Pat have the first <laughs> ones. Well, thank you, sir. That is a gift. Yeah, uh, I redid it. So you see how there's like if you look at the the cork, I cut the cork in half and then glued it around the hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. I found another way of doing it, so I don't have to do that. That's so, beautiful. So you guys got thank you. You guys got some uh, like a unique one. So. Yeah. But yeah, that's yours. You could use it. You could store it. You could, I don't care what you do. I don't even know if it works. You got to show me how to fly fish. So yeah, you got a rod. I got plenty of rods you can use. Yeah. But so you have a very own whiskey pop. Whiskey pop. You like that's, that name? I do. I really do. It's a whiskey pop. I got a box of corks over there. I've been making them out of, yeah. you know. So anyway, anyway, let's get into anyway. it. There's some meat and potatoes. Tell me what's, uh, what do you got this week? All right. So today I actually made pig shots. Is what they're called. Saw the picture. They look good. I'm not a bacon guy, but uh, they do look good. Yeah. So I, they're so basically what I did is uh, I bought kielbasa from anywhere. Jewel. I actually have some good Polish kielbasa in the freezer. I, I should have pulled that out, but I wasn't thinking. Um, 
So you take your kielbasa, you cut it into like one inch sections, 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 sections. And uh, so then you take your uh, bacon. The trick with the bacon is to put it in the freezer for like 10 to 15 minutes before That's you're going to huh? use it. Yeah, just just so it hardens up because otherwise it gets real warm and it gets slimy and it's hard to handle. Gotcha. So you cut that in half lengthwise. So you have like maybe like maybe four inch sections of bacon. You wrap it around and you skewer it with a um, with a toothpick. So you have like almost like a little shot glass. And you got a little opening on top. It did look like a tray of shot glasses. Yeah, it's it a definitely little, looked like it. Little shot glass area on top, and you fill that. I did a mixture of uh, cream cheese, uh, cheddar cheese, and I uh, diced up some serrano peppers. So they're they they've got a kick to them. Um, sounds yeah, like all that sounds good. I just yeah, maybe I just gotta do bacon again. I haven't had bacon in like ten years, but I remember never liking it. Yeah, you know? hey, give it a shot. I, I should, I should. I threw them on the smoker. I actually had some leftover bacon, so I threw that on the smoker as well. Um, Three fifty. I just used apple pellets. It didn't really matter because you're just basically just trying to crisp up the bacon. Three fifty for about uh, it took about twenty five minutes, and they were done, nice and crispy, and I, I they got a kick to them. I'll tell you what I, I made. There's probably like 30 of them I made. I'm I taking notes here. Did you? But did you say you put them on the smoker? Yeah, yeah. I put them on the smoker. What, any any tips with that? Like uh, how hot? All that stuff? Yeah, three three fifty degrees, three hundred fifty. Oh, degrees. that's so. That's that, that's kind of on the hotter side of things. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. We're not we're not. When I wasn't really smoking them. I just kind of wanted to almost grilling. Yeah, pretty much a, grilling. Yeah, because you know what? When I like my my grill for when I. Yeah, I usually get up to about 400 degrees on my when I have two burners going. Yep. So, yeah, that's more of a grill. Yeah, 350, like I said, for probably about 25 minutes or so. Apple. Or just until the, yeah, el- apple pellets. But you really don't taste the smoke at that point. It's yeah, just right. kind of a. Just a heat source. Yeah, you're just kind of heating it up. But no, they turned out awesome. And they, they have a, they have quite the kick to them, I got to say. I made about 30 of them. I wanted to take them into work tomorrow, like for, you know, just as like a treat for some of the guys. But I've been snacking on them. I probably ate like 10 of them. <laughs> <laughs> little things like that go quick you walk by like ah pop go well, ahead like, I, I had one like right right after i took it off the smoker i'm like oh this is hot i better let these cool down and like five minutes later i'm like i wonder if they're cool enough so i tried another one ah still kind of hot then had another one <laughs> it's like damn it i already ate like 10 of these so uh so what's the plan going forward are you going to join us next week on an episode or what yeah i'd like to um so this week we had dan brought on Okay. He was, uh, him and Pat were doing a bunch of stuff. They were scouting and doing a bunch of stuff. Okay. And but we had Dan on this week, and he wants to come back soon. And but I, I think it's time to get the fourth mic. I bet the four of us having a conversation. Now that would be nice. That would be a fun conversation. Move this so, out just a little bit, and we'll we'll have a four man. Yeah, we'll bump this out, and then uh, the one thing that me and Dan were talking about, he really is hot to trot on uh, come springtime. But he wants you, me, and him to go out and smash walleye. And oh he, yeah. But he wants to come back here. He wants to do like a, a fish fry in the backyard. Okay. So we do a fish fry. Obviously, you guys would be the chefs. You and him are the cooks. You know, yeah. you don't want me and Pat cooking your food. Trust me. <laughs> Maybe Pat, not me. You don't want me cooking your food. But um, and then after that, he wants to do a whole podcast thing. So he wants to do like a whole walleye day. Yeah. With a podcast. So we gotta get the weather first. Yeah, we gotta get. What is this? This is you terrible. Know, we're springtime. It's Did, thir- like thirty three degrees outside right now. Yeah, it's a cold weekend. You know, we recorded yesterday, and uh, we were talking about plans for today, and it's like. I'm not going to go do this. Take I'm not going to go do that. Yeah, I've been watching TV. I'm reading a book. Yep. Well, I, this morning I woke up. I looked outside. I'm like, wow, sunny day. This is great. Went outside, turned on the smoker. I'm like, it's 30 degrees outside. This yeah. is terrible. Me and Dan did a bunch of scouting. I was telling Bill, me and Dan this morning, since you guys, since uh, I don't even know what we said during the podcast. We recorded it yesterday. But me and Dan accidentally hiked eight miles today. 
Good for you. Scouting spot. Dude, we found some good stuff. Yeah. Like some really, yeah, some really, really good stuff. Well, hopefully it produces, you know, eight this miles year. we walked on accident. <laughs> finally, like we were going to go another mile and I finally said, you know what? I said, I, not to be a stick in the mud, I want to turn around. I wore muck boots and they're kind of big. Oh, yeah. So I wore my heel out. I got, I got a bandaid on it right now trying to cover a blister. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that'll happen with them. Yeah. That was, uh, that was, yeah, I wish I wore hikers, you know. But anyway, so we did that on accident. But it's like, it was cold as hell out there. It's like, terrible. We're at the end of some fields and the wind was blowing. And it's like, it, in fact, the wind was blowing so good out there, you know, the cover I have on my bed. Yeah. When we got back to the truck, I dropped the tailgate and blew the whole thing open up to the window. Really? Yeah, not tell me. That's <laughs> wow. impressive, isn't it? That thing's not light. No. Blew the whole thing open. Dan caught it. Wow. You know? Yeah. Um. So that's some plans. And, uh, yeah, I think there. I thought there was something else I had to tell you about, but maybe that was it. Yeah, I, was yeah, it. I'd like to be involved in that. That'd be awesome. Oh, especially the walleye fish fry. You uh-huh. know, I got them all geared up, and I, th- I think that would be a good time. Oh, they're good eating. So, and you're gonna do the cooking. I told Dan, I said we should get a mixture of walleye, crappie, and bluegill. You know, make yeah. it a whole thing. You know, I said even if we don't, if we don't eat them the same day, we catch them. Yeah, if they're filleted and we freeze them, or whatever, we get a good stash fine. of things. Yep. You know, so. Yeah, we got to go pick up that freezer, by the way. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, maybe sometime this week. Yeah, after work this week. I mean, I'm down for I, – I get off early, so. Yeah, I'm, so I'm you're off on early. days this week? Yeah, oh, yeah, so I had a fill-in, and so I'm back on days for the third week in a row. Next week, I'll be back on nights. Okay, yeah, maybe week sometime this week we'll go pick it up. Yeah. All right, so that's yeah, it, that's huh? all. That's all I got for you. And, uh, Pat, next weekend, I think we're going to do your uh, – If we, yeah, I'll do your check-in next weekend. Yep. And bring that on. Yep. And so bring that over. And I believe we're going to have a Kelsey's Corner this week. We have not recorded it as the, at of the time. As, what am I trying to say? As of yet. As of yet, we have not recorded Kelsey's. So if Kel is on, here she comes right now. All right. Thanks, Kel. Or thanks, Jim. <laughs> Welcome to... No! Wait, are you recording now? Yeah, I am recording. Ah, jeez. I tried to- telling you this. Welcome to Kelsey's Corner. You usually do like the finger point thing or something. I know. Like, I just like trying to take you for surprise. Um, so I have to say, I haven't been down in your man cave part of your the den here the basement in a while and i like what you've done with the place you like it yeah i'm looking around like oh you hung up a fishing pole you got your signs up you got your tv up there's all your cuts of beef right there there's i got a little tin that shows you what every cut of beef is off a cow yeah i'm like a little cow yeah i do see the cow and it's all the pieces of it anyway yeah you did do a nice job we're not done either so oh okay now if you have time to mount my tv in my workout room no okay thanks so what do you got for us this week anyway so i figured i would talk about um what i spent most of my day doing today is meal prep and i figured you could chime in because you meal prep too so i figured i would just give some helpful hints i know bush like billy meal preps so um most of us do pat dan i know all those guys oh okay well then I guess uh, I don't really have to talk about it, but oh well. Here's some helpful hints for meal prepping. Um, are you ready? I am. Are you done yawning? Uh, it's not, I'm not yawning because of you. I'm just, it's been a long day. All right. Um, so my first thing for meal prep is for those people who have never done it before, don't pick a difficult recipe, which sounds silly, but don't pick something that's going to require like different steps and multiple dishes because I don't know if... Like when we first started meal prepping, could you imagine doing something that required like a ton of dishes? Like it just well, would annoy me. We did. We used to do noodles and we, we've actually dumbed it down a little bit since well, we started. Well, yours. Yeah. Yours is uh, Mine's pretty, pretty easy. Yours is pretty easy. Um, mine was a little more involved today. So that's just my one helpful hint is don't pick anything that's too extensive. 
Um, so for me today, I went grocery shopping yesterday. I think breaking it up into two days is a good idea because then you don't feel like so pressured to cook when you get home from the grocery store. So I made a list of everything I need. Um, you I, mean two different days shopping, cooking? Yes. Gotcha. Um, you made it sound like you go shopping two different days. Oh yeah, no, no. I went shopping one day. I made a list of all the recipes I'm going to make, planned it all out. I made one of them yesterday because it was our dinner. And that was then, good. That was good. Hamburger helper. Yeah. Good. It's like a healthy homemade hamburger helper. Um, so if people want the recipe, let me know because it's delicious. Um, but anyway, so we went shopping for everything yesterday. And then today I set out with the plan of meal prepping everything. So I did another dinner. I did a chicken, like a Louisiana style chicken and peppers for dinner for when I get home from work. And then for my work, I um, did chicken shawarma and then I marinated cauliflower and, or I roasted cauliflower and chickpeas and did it with a little farro, which is like a grain. So it was kind of annoying because it was multiple different dishes, but I want, I chose like a recipe that is a good thing with vegetables and protein. That's the other thing is I think that you should pick a recipe that has vegetables, protein, carbs, um, something to keep you full throughout your day. Something the only thing that you I, look forward to eating too. The only thing I'm going to um, disagree with there is like it depends on when your meal is because I'm, I'm a big believer in carbs in the morning and taper. Not like cut off, but taper through the day. So Yeah, true. I mean, if, you're, if, you're, if you're working a night shift, I wouldn't do a loaded up on carbs meal. You know, that would be more of my yeah. lunch if I was on nights. If I was uh, if I was making more of a breakfast brunch thing to take to work, it would have more carbs in it. Yeah, so. you do have to tailor it for your day. See, my day at work is I eat my little, I have like egg muffin thing that's microwavable that I have that in the morning. And then I might, might not eat all day lately. I've been eating at three o'clock in the afternoon. So by then I'm like starving, running on empty. So I do have to like I have been factoring that in because once I eat that one meal, that's it, that's all I have. We don't have a lot of time for like snacks and stuff. So it's like once I eat that one thing, I'm done for the whole day So until I get home. So for me, I have to put everything I need into this little box because I might have five minutes to eat it. I might have to eat it while charting. So I just try to make sure I have everything I need. Um, so you do that. You should tailor it to your day. Um, my other tip is if you're going to bring like – vegetables or something I think it's helpful to prepare all of that already like I'm bringing peppers to work so I already chopped up all the peppers and I put them in like a little uh, Tupperware thing if you're bringing like fruits like berries and stuff I think wash it all look up how to store it so that it's washed and ready to go and you don't have to do any prep like the day before just because I think that that cuts into like a lot of people's stress is, oh, I got to get my lunch ready. For me, it's like, okay, I grab this box, I grab this box, I put it together in my lunch box, and I'm done. Do you have anything to add? No. Um, no. It, the easier you make this for the day setup, the more successful you'll be at it. Yes. I think like if you don't make it easy for you and you like choose something difficult and stress out about it, you're not going to be successful and you're never going to want to do it again. Um, I think the crock pot is a good idea. I know Bush like Billy does a lot of crock pot meals. So I think that the crock pot's a good idea because you don't have to like do anything. You put it in there, you hit on low for eight hours. And then later in the day, you just divvy it all up into whatever dishes you have and then you're done. So that's one tip I would say is to invest in decent. You don't have to get the best of the best, but decent meal prep dishes. Yeah. Something that stacks nice, stores nice, and you know. Microwaves nice. Microwaves nice. Yeah. I feel like a lot of ours, we microwaved them like twice and they're like warped. Yeah. Well, the lids at least. The the boxes weren't. But yeah, all my lids on those six pack ones are 
those are all warped and stuff. Those are horrible. Yeah, no, I don't know why. But the ones that I've been using, I don't know. I think they were too big for your lunchbox, so I ended up with them. But they're yeah. actually very nice. They're very thick. I don't know where half of them went. I know. I only have four of them. So. Oh, okay. Well, we're missing two then. Yeah. Um. So find it. But I think that's easy. Just find easier recipes, especially if you're first starting out with meal prep and you're not looking to like use a lot of dishes, do anything difficult. Find easy recipes that you know you're going to enjoy. That's uh, my other tip is that find something that you're going to enjoy eating for several days in a row. Like you eat. Do you want to talk about what you eat for the past it's just, million it, years? It's ground turkey. And uh, right now I'm in a cup of veggies. It's been a cup of broccoli. It's been a cup of uh, green pepper and onion, but it's always been ground turkey with taco seasoning or something yeah. along those lines. But here's here's my one theory when it comes to eating, because I get a lot of this at work. All these guys are teasing me. You eat the same thing every day. Don't you get bored? And I tell them, well, to me, it's a bodily function. I don't wake up in the morning and say, you know what? I, I walked that way yesterday. I'm going to walk a different way today. Oh, you know what? I was breathing this way yesterday. I'm going to breathe different. I blinked this way. I'm going to blink different today. I see food as the same thing. I don't see, see food as... I like as- food. I like to eat different things. But for my meal prep, I've been meal prepping the same thing for the past, like, I don't know, six months, I think. Like one of the girls at work, as soon as I started working there, she's like, oh, what is that? And I'm like, oh, it's chicken shawarma and like a shawarma bowl thing. And so I've been meal prepping it forever. And she's like, you always make the same thing. I'm like, I like it. It's good. And it's very nutritious. So I just keep making the same thing. Yeah, for me, it's like I I look, it started because of the macros and it just kept going because the macros are still good. Nothing changed. And yeah, would it be nice to be surprised with a different lunch every now and then? Sure. But do I care? I really don't. Yeah. I don't wake up and say, you know what? I'm going to walk a little different today because I walked that way yesterday. It's a bodily function. It should, it's not something that has to be every day an experience. Um, like me and Dan were talking this last weekend. We think human beings eat too much. They say eat three meals a day. That's a recent thing. People used to. Yeah, it's the government telling us actually. Well, it's just when people were hunter-gatherers, today you feasted. Next two days you famine because you just you didn't find anything, and so but now we're so regimented in a you got to eat this much at this time, and you know, and I just think people eat too much, and so I also believe in, in fasting. So I eat my lunch technically at nine o'clock in the morning when I'm on days, and I don't eat again until we eat dinner at five thirty six o'clock. Yeah, but um, I fast throughout my day just because we don't have a lot of time to eat, so we call it fasting. <laughs> well, it is, but uh. But the biggest thing is when you're meal prepping and everyone's like, ah, oh, you're going to eat the same thing. Yeah, it, it's a mindset you got to get into to be yeah. good at this. I think it, that's what's important, too, is you really do have to get used to the same thing over and over again. It's easier for you. And the more you set it up in the morning. So if you know you got to throw all this stuff in a lunchbox, put it all in a pile. And then you reach in the same spot and you throw it in a lunchbox. Yeah, that's what I did. This uh, I cleaned out the fridge this morning. Once I had everything cooked, I had everything on the counter. And then I just arranged the fridge where it's like, okay. Here's my main course. Here's my peppers. Here's my hummus. Like, just grab everything because I do, like, hummus and pita with it and just grab everything, put it in the lunchbox. It takes me maybe two minutes because I have to fill my water bottle to get my lunch ready in the morning. And that's less anxiety for me versus, like, oh, I'm bored. I'm eating the same thing. For me, like, going into, like, work, not knowing what I'm eating and having to go to the cafeteria, like, that would make me way too anxious because the cafeteria is certain hours and it's like you're spending money that on a meal every day that might not be great for you. So that's what matters to me is that I know I'm making something that's healthy for me, that's good for me overall, and I'm saving money because I'm not going to the cafeteria. And some girls spent like 
$18 on her lunch the other day. Like, that's just crazy Yeah, to some me. people don't so. care. They, they only see it as one time, they, but they don't realize they do that four or five days a week. Yeah, there's some people that buy their lunch every single day. And for me, that would just make me, like, too anxious. Like, oh, gosh, what's the cafeteria going to have? Are they going to have anything I like? So I like meal prepping. I think it's fun. Um, I think you do have to get kind of in the mindset that it's going to take a big part of your day because it's just difficult to do sometimes. Um like some things just take time. Like I had to cook chicken, the dishes, like you just have to get into the mindset. You have to have time for it. A lot of people don't like meal prep because it's like, oh yeah, it does take time. But it's like, well, well you I, spend your time thing. doing other things like watching TV. So Well, the one thing I was going to say is choose a meal that, choose a week that you can get ready for in under two hours. Yeah. If you, you're, you're more likely to succeed. If you can choose two hours on a Sunday to get your entire week ready for food, You'll do it and you'll be successful at it. Yeah. Well, there's a girl I work with. She's like, oh, it takes too long to meal prep. I'm like, well, what do you do like during the day when you're off? She's like, oh, I watch this show and this show. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just like my perspective. I don't really watch a ton of TV. So for me, meal prepping is easy because it's like, I will devote the time to it because I see the benefits of it. So I think that you just have to become in the mindset that you're going to take the time to do it. You're going to find something that is easy and you're going to like for several days in a row and then just set out to do it because once you have that mindset I think it's really it's very easy to do so is that it is that all your tips yeah I was just gonna you know talk about it think people I think more people should be doing it um just because I think overall there's benefits like we have dinner I have dinner every night I come home this week you had dinner I didn't I was out to this evening so you, I didn't have to worry about you not eating because there was food for you there's a dog barking. He has to make his appearance on the podcast. Did uh did you hear that Bush Lake Billy? We had a segment this oh, week. Oh good. What's it what are you doing on? It's called uh let me see, I got my notes here. Bacon shots. Bacon shots. That does right? not bacon, sound like Yeah, bacon shots. Huh, sounds like nothing I would eat. We're recording but... this days after, so okay. that's why I had to look at my notes. Yeah, I'm the last to record, I feel like here. But anyway, if that's all you got, we're yeah, gonna wrap this up. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Kyle. So real quick, we were just talking uh, during a break. Dan was saying, man, 90000 doesn't seem like a lot. And it really doesn't. Uh, but we Googled real quick in America. Oh, it just went away. There are six to 700,000 sandhill cranes left. So 90000 does seem a little bit low. But if a lot of them are in uh, Wisconsin, I guess I just don't see the problem of them being... Uh, you know, so many tags. I mean, 100, 200 ha- tags well, out of 45,000. If you think about it, 8% of those are in Wisconsin. Um. Anyway, yep. moving moving into the main discussion topic. Oh, real quick, we wanted to play the sandhill crane noise. Oh yeah, what's the sandhill crane sound like? <laughs> I don't know. If it, like, it almost sounds like a loon that's choking. <laughs> like it's got your it's got your top raider in its mouth. Yeah, right. <laughs> I just uh, remember as a kid, like you'd hear that noise like way up in the sky, yeah. and you'd see just a giant flock of them, like in the spring or summer. I forget when it was, but you know, I live in a city, so I don't see a lot of that much anymore. But you see the uh, all the other types of cranes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's not an unfamiliar sound. I will say, definitely isn't. Um. Well, so this week we were talking about how we're going to go into river access, but now we're gonna we're gonna switch gears a little bit because we have Dan here. So we're gonna do a we're gonna do more of a buying guide. The one thing I want to get into is like I know we talked about your bow a little bit, but do you have any tips to anybody that would be buying a bow? What you went through because this is your first like really spec'd out bow. Your first one was kind of a beginner bow, but now you actually spent some coin on it. And what? What would you do different? What did you do right? What like what you know all that stuff? What do you got? Yeah, I guess I don't really have any regrets. I guess what I did was kind of look at like the top brands, you know, Hoyt, Matthews, Elite, PSC a little bit. But I kind of like 
Not Mainly. Prime, Prime, because I, I know Remy Warren was a big Prime guy. No, and, I didn't look at them. I kind of oh, you know, knew like Hoyt and Matthews are like top of the line and kind of understood like their top bows, what's the new ones that are coming out, what's like included in them, what makes them different. And I think like, like my biggest advice would be like, number one, understand like the top brands and bows you want to look at and then go shoot them because... Yeah, have if some, it was, yeah, if it was last week, I probably would have said, like, yeah, I'm just going to buy a Hoyt. But after shooting them, like, the Matthews just felt better in my hand. Um, I just felt less vibration. Maybe it was just a, a certain bow that I shot. Maybe I shot the Hoyt Venom. Yeah, Maybe that's I right. shot a few more of those. That's, um, like, the flagship model for them, too, isn't it? I mean, yeah. That's kind of the big deal. I think so. I think, like, just number one advice, just go and shoot. And, like, don't be afraid to, like shoot as many bows as you possibly can at those yeah, shots. Yeah, annoy because, him. Like, You're about to, 12 to spend 1200 bucks. Annoy the crap. 1200 yeah. at least, you I, know? Yeah, I might have been like a little nicer. I, I probably could have shot like another bow or two. I think just you did like, just fine. Mm-hmm. I, don't th- I don't think. But yeah, no, shoot it because you know what? It could be top of the line, but maybe an elite feels better to you than, yeah, um, than a Hoyt, Hoyt than or a, Matthews. Because like the one thing me and Pat were talking about, the one thing elite I do know for a fact has over everybody's paint jobs. They have the best. Like if you, if paint jobs mean something to you, Elite's gonna have a better camo paint job than because mm-hmm. like what color is yours? It's like a dark green, just straight. There's no just, camouflage. It's yet. it's like a it's like a darker version of flat dark earth. And yeah, right. Like okay, one and shade darker. So like all the Hoyts I looked at, like when I see videos of Hoyts, it's kind of the same thing. They uh they have uh just kind of like a, a base color and that's it. They don't really get all crazy into it. Um, but like you look at Elites, look at the camouflage on Elite, you know. Maybe paint doesn't mean anything to you. A black riser is fine, you know? So now we're going into something else. Like Pat said, Hoyts are probably the funniest looking bow there is. Yeah, they are. The, the, the Venom definitely looks different than um, a lot of the bows out there. I will say, though, the the Hoyt, they have like a really good backing behind their company. Like they have a lot of people. I'm sure every bow company does, right? But the one you hear about the most is Hoyt. In terms Hoyt's of got customer a lot. service, you know, R&D. All that stuff. You see them at all the like all the big archery events, and like they're yeah, they're I, out there, man. I know? don't want to take anything away from Hoyt because I chose the Matthews. It's just what felt good to me at that time, um, and that was what I was going to go with. Um, like again, uh, if I would shot a different um, version of the Hoyt or a different model of it, maybe my mind would have been changed. But well, even still, like you just said, just feel different. Like for instance, Pat, we we have the same bow, the Elite, and but the one thing that feels awesome to me that Pat doesn't like is the grip for your left hand. I love it. Pat wants a bigger one, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But to me, I love it. I, I wouldn't. I just that just that detail can change your opinion on everything about a bow. Hundred percent. Just the way you're holding it. It's like ah, I don't like the way this feels. You know. I just mm-hmm. wish mine was a little bit bigger because my. I mean, you've got big hands too, but my hands are just. You like got the, the catcher gloves hands. Though. Yeah, the the, <laughs> the palm of my hand is huge. Like, we have the same size hands, but yeah, mine's just not as thick of a hand as yours. So yeah. I, no, I totally get it. Some, but some guys like for for instance, when it comes to golf and my driver. I'd take a I'd take a grip that big, you know. I'd take a putter grip on my driver if yeah. I can get it, you know. What I don't have in my finger, I make up for in my palm. So that's you know that didn't sound weird at all, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but also yeah. moving in a little buyer guide to Pat said. So do you want to give anybody a shout out about what brought this up or no? With, um, with kayaking. Oh, with kayaking, yeah. Um, my buddy Chris, he's uh, you know, he just sent me a little bit. Uh, wasn't like a whole in-depth detailed thing, but he was looking to get into kayak fishing. It's like, I, you know, man, I don't really know too much about it. My brother bought this, uh, you can actually go see the video on, uh, the web on the YouTube channel. Um, the, what, what is We that? changed it to Whistle Mission Outdoors. Is it the old? I have the old town, uh, solo sportsman 11.9. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, it looks, 
<laughs> it's a it's eleven foot nine. It's fifty four pounds and it's very lightweight. I can tell you the biggest. Okay, so when you're when you're first looking into kayaks, which I don't know if you guys ever do or not, but when you get to sit on top, they're blow molded and they weigh twice. There's two holes instead of one. So mine mine is fifty four pounds. If it was a blow molded, it'd be a hundred pounds. That's why I got the one I got. Because like uh, Bill's, for instance, that Old Town Predator, that's a blow molded. That's eighty six pounds empty. With wow. nothing in it, it's 86 pounds. Mine's 50, which, oh, it's only 30 pounds. Go put that thing over your head and tell me the difference you have in weight, you know. Um, so when it comes when it comes to picking out, if you if you have a pickup that you're sliding in the back, weight's not that big of a deal. I car top, so you definitely have to go. Weight is a major issue. You're you, walking long distances, weight's a big issue. You truck top. Yeah, truck top. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> <You're doing laughs> I'll tell you what, though, when it comes to... Did you ever sit in the, the Old Town Predator, Pat? Uh, no. You never sat in one of them, huh? I don't think so. So it's a tri-hole blow-molded. There's nothing more stable. Yeah, it's there's, a big boat. There's nothing For more big, stable. big kayak. Speaking of boats, by the way, uh, I did not mention, but I've officially... My boat will be here uh, Sunday or Monday, so it, it's coming. Um, Does it get delivered? Yeah, it's a, it, there's a guy that is trucking it over here and nice. from uh, Idaho. Okay. Yeah. So and I'm gonna take you out walleye fishing because we gotta go. We gotta go slay some walleye. Yes, please. I love walleye. Um, but when it comes to when it comes to kayak uh, buying, the biggest thing you gotta think of is what do you have? Do you have a small car? Okay. Don't look at blow molded. Don't look at sit on tops. Look at sit ins. They weigh half as much. Literally half as much. Now you bought that goofy. You remember that rack that me and you bought? We had to wait like two hours for it at the back of Bass Pro where the guys like lost the box and. You remember that rack? It like it's supposed to hook in your tailgate. Yeah, I got rid of that. So um, that's a you can buy them anywhere now. Those remember when I bought that? It was kind of a new thing. They look like a field goal. Yeah, and they uh, they go in the hitch of your truck and they can act as a rear one. And it, it worked, you know. But I had to do a lot of modifications to get it to work. I had to do a lot of fabrication on that. Yeah, I mean a lot of those things. I mean, like modern tailgates are so much longer than they used to be. So you got to get past that. And then hold the end of your canoe. So, like that one, you could the way you could rig it is so it sits straight up. So you use it as a roof rack, or if you remember, it goes straight out the back. Yeah. So it's like a bed extender. So yeah. now it turns your bed into like a twelve foot bed. You know, and then you could put the kayak on top of that. But <coughs> I guess my biggest topic or my biggest uh, suggestion for me when it comes to kayaks is weight. Everything about what I do is weight, and. I know when you're walking through and you're looking at Bass Pro and you're like, oh, this one's sweet and that one's sweet. And it's like, yeah, but that one's 110 pounds. You know, you got a 200 foot walk to the water and there's no way to put it over your head and use your shoulders. So give me your ideal weekend warrior. I'm getting into this. Want to try fishing more. Hate fishing on shore. Give me your ideal weekend warrior beginner setup. So give me a price range first. Uh, Let's say under a grand. Under a grand. I'll even do what you do you one better and say five hundred bucks. But if you go into Bass Pro, they have what's called the D. Let me think. Is it the DT10 or the D10? That was remember my first red one. Remember my red kayak I had. Yeah. Yep. So that was a sit-in hull. It weighed like forty pounds. It cost like four or five hundred bucks, and I took that everywhere. I used to throw it over my shoulder and walk with it. All my fishing gear, I had it rigged up so my fishing gear would sit in there, and I'd literally walk with it on my shoulder, and walk to the water and dump it, and off I go. That's probably your best bet right there. Mine is, uh, I think mine brand new was eleven or twelve hundred dollars. I got a deal on it, so wow. mine, mine wasn't that expensive. But that, but it, if you're willing to go up over a thousand bucks, the Old Town Next, the Old Town Mine, the Solo Sportsman, that's a good one. 
Like you were talking about the one from REI. I'm quite sure that's a solo canoe. That's not a kayak. Yeah, I looked into it. It doesn't have the seats. It doesn't have like the hookups for like your GPS and all. You know, it, it doesn't have any of that stuff like depth finder. I mean, it, it literally is just a canoe. So um, like for the, 200 bucks more, you get all the flashy stuff. When you're looking at a fishing kayak versus a regular kayak, like they advertise rod holders and I never use the rod holders that they give you. Like it, uh, there's rod holders in there and I never, I never actually use the ones I make all my own stuff. So it, that's not a big deal. I would not focus on getting a fishing, um, setup. But I, I mean, I guess that's part of the fun, right? Is getting all of your stuff, you know, set just the way you want it and, you know, going out there and learning, okay, this is going to work better for me next time. How can I hold my net without actually holding my net? You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't think I have too much of a more of a thing than that, you know, for that. But yeah, I mean, a quick buyer's guide and, you know, like go check out if you're interested. Uh, I'm, this isn't me trying to like dish it to our YouTube channel or anything like that, but oh, it is. go, right, go check out uh, Jim's video. He did, I think, three videos on the Old Town, right? Yeah, I got I got the Old Town solo sportsman setup where I put my GPS on there and stuff. Uh, I have first uh, thoughts and then uh, one guy. It's It's funny, my most viewed video. I, did you ever see the views on this video? Let me look this up real quick. So I did this as a spoof. This guy emailed me and said, hey, can you stand up in that thing? And I said, you know what? I didn't try. I don't know. Oh, I do remember that. And you're like, yeah, it's a video It's a video of you like on the water in your canoe. Like, uh, uh, All yep, I did see? was stand up in it. You know, I wasn't really looking. Like, it wasn't supposed to be anything. It definitely was, it was like my least like effort video and it's my most viewed. So I have 24,000 views on that video. Wow. Really? 24,000. Yeah. What video is that? I could have made you like six All bucks. it is is did I tip it? Old Town. I, I, I did it for a guy in Texas. He's like, I want to get this thing. So that should be a lesson to us about what content we should create on yeah. YouTube in the wow. future. Wow. That's... So Old Town, uh, first thoughts, 3.1 thousand or 3.1. And then Old Town setup, uh, 6.3 cake I got on that. Yeah, those were just supposed to be like those weren't my serious ones at all. Making a whiskey barrel desk, I have one point four thousand views on. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that you were. Look at this. I, in the video, I gave you that this is going to be exciting. But I said Trail Creek skunked, but with lessons learned. Six hundred nineteen. Yeah, views is that on the that. one where you're kind of pointing at the camera? Uh, yeah, this one right here. I'm looking at it. Yep. That, that was just a generated YouTube thing. I just searched, did I tip it's it on nice. YouTube? And you're the third video on there. It's actually, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, did you watch any of his videos before? Because it could have boosted it up there. Anyway, but it's. I it, might have, but yeah. I just literally posted this guy commented on one and says, hey, can you stand up? And I think I'm like, I don't know. So I went out to Lamont Corey's one morning and I was like, yeah, you can stand up. And you can see it's not, it's nothing of a video. 24,000 views on that. You know, I got a bunch of thumbs down because like I didn't, I didn't put all this detail into it. Because it wasn't supposed to be anything. That's just armchair you know? experts going after you. Yeah, I, I, I don't care. You know, thumbs down me all you want. I don't care. You know, the YouTube world kind of makes me mad. I, I wanted to see the actual video that... Did you hear about the kid that got killed at an amusement park this week? No, no. So I want to look up the video yeah, and see that. actually how it happened. It's not that I wanted to see the kid die. You know what I mean? I just like, how could that possibly happen? But there's a lot of people that put up a fake video with the right title and then just show you nothing. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's like... Yeah, that, that's pretty much mine was like, so I, like I, I uploaded this video and I texted or I didn't text him. I messaged him somehow. I said, Hey, I just did this. And yeah, you know, and he's like, Hey, thanks for the review. And it was like a couple of views. Yeah. Then you look and you're like, Oh my God, like <laughs> why did this get viewed so many times? That's 20, cool though, man. 24,000 views. No dislikes though. So that's a, uh, that's good too. I looked. Oh, there was no dislikes. No dislikes. Oh, I thought I had a bunch of them on that no. one. No, you got a bunch of likes. Oh, I was hoping for him to fall in. Oh, I thought it was, no, I thought, I thought I had like a fucking I thought I had like 50 
radio edit. Uh, maybe I'll look at it correctly. <laughs> I see 160 likes and then the dislike button doesn't have anything underneath underneath it. Oh, I think they stopped counting them. I think YouTube uh, okay. did that they for got people's too feelings. For us. Yeah, because like if you do that too much, like you can really hurt somebody's self-esteem. That can hurt my feelings. Like <laughs> I, I look at that video and I'm thinking, I, I want to tell everybody like now I wish I can go back and edit it and be like, uh, just so you know, like I didn't know this was supposed to be anything. Like I, I was just responding to a guy that saw another video. You know? <laughs> that's <laughs> cool though, man. I feel like that stuff, that's how that stuff happens. It, it is. It was just on accident. It, so, did, it didn't get me a lot of subscribers. So but, we uh, should include on our next video, did I blow it up? Like when we shoot Dan's brand new bow. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. I got <laughs> Spoiler alert, we won't. <laughs> wow, I got 111 subscribers. I picked up, that's like that's like 20 more since the last time you I got checked. got 1,100 subscribers? No, uh, 111. Oh, well, hey, I'm still happy for you either way. Um, yeah, but last time I looked, it was like 90. But uh, Like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired Make sure of you that. like that button. <laughs> hey, why don't you smash that like button? <laughs> I hate that. Uh, so my channel has a total of 37,408 views. So I am a bad Spotify or whoever you get your podcast listener because I have never subscribed to anything. I always search it. and I'm, That is bad. I'm a bad That's dude. annoying. Anyway, I feel like we didn't say a whole lot on this one. But uh, wasn't there something else you wanted to talk about, Pat? We were talking about the... Uh, I, I wanted to know, uh, th- I think, w- going back to the bow thing, uh, your original bow, what... Would you have done differently right in the beginning? And don't say buy a Matthews because none of us would have done that. I wouldn't have bought a bow that had like the poundage variation that I bought. So I bought a Diamond 320 and that poundage could range from like seven pounds to 70. Yeah. Which is, but as like a newbie, I had no idea. It, like, I, th- I think you did excellent for your first one. Yeah. yeah. It, because you bought that one, I was able to skip that step. Let's just put it that yeah. way. Yeah. You know? and, and I'm glad I was able to have you guys skip that step. But uh, I would have bought something that like, you know, would have been like 60 to 70, maybe uh, maybe 50 to 70. Just there's just no reason to buy it. And like the variations can cause like tuning issues. Yeah. yeah we so like, that. I was yeah. just about to say that. So uh, like, I'll have this thing all tuned in. I'll go shoot for like an hour with you guys at the range and next time i pick up that thing it's like what happened here yeah like, i remember the one this... time we were paper tuning and since you got the whisker biscuit you can see the angle of your arrow and stuff like that mm-hmm. we got done paper tuning everything was perfect we looked at the arrow and it's like literally pointing yeah. down <laughs> and we're like wait a minute what and that's because one limb is stronger than the other one it mm-hmm. pulls the string actually up so it creates a really inconsistent shot or inconsistent shot and it's like Yep, hundred percent. But so, I feel like now through this channel, you're you're helping people, you know, yeah. not make that. If, if if you're a stronger, younger guy, and like you think you can pull back seventy, like go get like a fifty to seventy, set it at fifty. Um, you should be able to start with that, no problem. Maybe a forty to seventy. Remember when you're buying one, if you have to point the arrow up to get the string back, it's too much bow for you. Yeah, it's too much bow for you. Yeah, and that's a good point. I don't do that anymore because I'm afraid of sending one in the outer space. I did send one in outer space, yeah. not knowing, but that's before everybody knew how to like pull a bow back. We we were all self taught. But so now me with my left arm, actually the arrow's pointed where I want it, and then I pull back the bow. Mm-hmm. And like yeah, when we were looking at the bows last weekend, sorry I didn't mean to caress you there for no, no reason. But yeah, uh, yeah you did. <laughs> um, I was I drew straight, and I'm not used to his release. On my release, you could put a bit of like an awkward thumb pressure without like hitting it, and uh, his you can't do that. It's like a feather right on the thumb, and I was pulling, I was aiming straight at the target. And it's like if you're a newbie shooting somebody else's bow. Hate to make it sound like a newbie thing, but yeah, if you can't if you can't draw it level, 
you know, the safe way, you shouldn't be shooting it. Yeah. I, I think you can even shoot bows at Bass Pro. They, they have a little bit of, they have like a little archery range there that you could shoot. So yeah, even if you're going 20. to buy like a starter bow, like go in there and see if you can shoot it. And, you know, if you pull back on 40, like, okay, maybe I can focus on getting a 50 to 70 pound or a 60 to 70 pound. Like, it, I wish I would have shot one before I bought one, um, but yeah, I was so yeah. new to everything. So yeah, I mean, but you helped us skip a step, which helped. Now we can help people skip a step, and 100%. yeah, it, it, it everybody's got to start somewhere. Like uh, I remember one uh, fly fishing guy I used to talk to. Don't know what happened to him. He just disappeared one day. But um, he said everybody has two sets of everything. And it's your starter set, and then the set you learn from for your starter set. Everybody mm-hmm. has two of everything. Like for instance, I have fly fishing gear. I have my beginner stuff, and now I have the stuff that's not my beginner stuff. Yep. And so that's what you got with the bow now. Because you didn't get rid of your old one, did you? No, I still have it. Yeah. And so, but now you got a beginner bow and, you know. 100%. Hopefully I can get my brother into it. Be like, let him, yeah, like, hey, take it off my hands for a year. Dude, shoot it as much as you want or you can. And Yeah, I still have an extra sight if you need it. You know, if he does want to get into it, I still have that one sight that we can bolt on that yeah. thing. You know? I, I got the, so I bought it with a sight um, and like a really cheap <laughs> stabilizer. So I think it's actually I good to that. shoot with like those, uh, um, the parts I have for it. Oh, okay. It was like made out of rubber bands. The stabilizer. Well, yeah. yeah the basically, it's like, yeah, it's, I, remember it's, the first I don't time, even call it stabilizer. I remember the first time shooting it, his spring stop was like kind of bending in already. And I'm like, is that supposed to do that? You know? Yeah. But <laughs> no, I mean, it's a beginner bow. You know no, no, I mean? absolutely. I mean, like it, you'd be dumb to go spend 1200 bucks on a, a brand new Matthews. If you've never even like hunted and like shot a bow before, like that's just, what if you find out you hate it and like you don't have any interest in this? Oh, like, right. I mean, like for instance, like I, I'm excited. I'm not anywhere near done deer hunting, but of everything I do is the most boring thing I do mm-hmm. is deer hunt. Dangle from a tree and not see anything all day and then go home. Oh yeah. It's one of the most boring things I do versus fishing or any of that stuff. But I'm going to do it the rest of my life. So that's why I went out and bought a Matthews. Oh yeah, for sure. I've, I don't know, plan on stopping. Though, I think, you know what I think it is, is I'm so used to doing the things where you're constantly you know, and it's like now going into this year, I know what to expect this year. I didn't know what I was doing last year. Yep. Now I know what I'm, I'm doing this year. Um, and hopefully this new spot brings some new opportunities. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, we're going to go. I, I'm totally and down for scouting. We yeah. got to research our down south trip a little bit more. 100%. Uh, one last thing I want to throw in. I might even tie this in. We'll see with uh, my kayak thing. Is uh, um. When it comes to buying gizmos and gadgets for it, I wanted to throw this in there. So when you're watching people, you see these huge screens with the GPSs on them that are like 2,500 bucks a pop. And, you know, you see all these gizmos and gadgets going on on the kayak. You're not, when you're buying your first one, that is not a priority at all. Maybe the cheapest, remember that little depth finder you bought uh, once upon a time? What was that thing? 50, 60, 70 dollars? I think it was 55 bucks. Because that was back when 55 bucks was like a wrecker. You know? I, I suggest getting a I suggest getting a depth finder just so you got some idea. But uh, the one thing I want is do not accessorize. Get the boat, get a paddle, get a life jacket, get a whistle. Figure out if you like it. Now you're done. You are legal. You're you're floating. Now you take your fishing gear and you just do it. So this guitar teacher that I follow on YouTube and I even listen to his podcast, he talks about and I know this is not related, but he talks about gas. It's the gear acquisition stage, and you can get caught up more in that. Than actually what you're doing and you have to avoid that and mm. uh you know but i mean the same the same concept applies here it's it's like if you pump a bunch of money in now you feel so much more pressure to use it but you genuinely have to want to do it so yeah. i can tell you that just with my camera gear so you see right there i can make a video out of everything i have right there you see that box behind you pat 
Yeah. There's that there's like uh that sportsman's box by yeah. that's loaded with gizmos and gadgets I never use. Thought I would need them. Don't turns out I don't, but I got a ton of stuff in there that I don't need. You need a tripod, you need a camera, you need a microphone, you're good. I feel like I'm pretty good about that stuff because I will like I've been sitting Ooh. on this new bow idea for how long, Pat? Oh long, I long feel time. like I've even oh, talked I mean, to you, Jim, about it. Yeah. Like, I've been He's been talking on... about it for over a year. Yeah, I'm gonna say since at least I've been hearing him talk about getting a new bow since we got our bows. Yeah. Yeah, about a year ago. Yeah. Saving so, up those credit card points and Man, did that I think pay. you did good. I think yeah. you did good. The biggest thing too is now you weren't getting used to a new bow while our first year of deer hunting. You got to like that transition yeah. to the things, you know. Yeah, I, I think you did good. I think you did real good. Not just that, but out of the three of us sitting here, one of us got a deer, and it was with your beginner bow. Yes, sir. So I mean, say what you want about things. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it done worked. more work than uh, right place, <laughs> right time. <laughs> Right island, right everything. It was. It, 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 it was. doesn't matter. One hundred percent. It was luck or not. It worked. Yep. So I mean, yeah. but you can kill a bow. You can kill a deer with a beginner bow. Is what I'm saying. Like you yeah. don't. It, yeah, you that's right. You don't need a Matthews kill to kill a beard. Kill beard. Uh, <laughs> to kill deer. I'm a uh, living proof. If yeah. you can kill a bow, you can kill a deer. So, but we, but we had to learn. To, we had to first learn how to get spots. We had to learn learn how to climb trees. We had to learn to tune bows. Oh, and now so I've got I think two tree stands. I think we got ninety yeah. percent of the work figured out. Now you're able to. Now you're going to be really dialed in. Yeah. You already know how to climb a tree. You're done. You learn that. It's over. Yep. You know the craziest part but, about that bow is you can't let it, you can't hear him let go of the arrow. It's just. Whoosh. You know? It, it is I know. I'm excited. Pat, Pat keeps talking about how quiet it is. I can't wait to hear it. So not, yeah, a week from tomorrow, what are you guys doing? We should all get together and... Uh, uh, well, if this boat comes in, I might be out fishing. I might be taking you walleye fishing. So. I, I'll pick up the bow and we'll go <laughs> catch them. Wal- I'm so we'll be walleye for- fishing right where we were hunting. Perfect. So I'm, I'm really excited for that. I would love to do that. Um, anyway, we're just kind of rambling now, so I guess we could wrap this up. Yeah, uh, let's wrap it. Good good talk to you, and thanks for coming. Yeah, the one thing, for having me. don't forget, you can get a whiskey pop. I tied. I actually starting a uh, bulk tie-in right now. I got a bunch of them going over there. I have edition so, number one. It's framed and on my wall. So you can uh, go on the website and watch the How to Get a Free Fly, and uh, let me know if you want a whiskey pop or not. Maybe you don't want a whiskey pop. Maybe you want a big-ass streamer. So let me know if you do want that. So I am tying them, so if, you can if, get one. If Dan were to order one, he would want a wine pop. <laughs> Son of a <laughs> Dan's my whiskey guy, so I know that's not true. Can you get a a, a red wine pop? And remember, uh, if you can hear this podcast, that means you could be on it. Email us at whistlemissionpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. So thanks for listening. And uh don't forget uh also put in for that trip that uh you want to do with Seth. Yeah, I, that that and I actually gotta sign us up for that because the open it's open now. So I gotta get three spots for that if we're gonna do it. Is that something you're interested in or no? Whiskey uh musky trip with fly rods? Potentially, um, see how my PTO works. Yeah, I think I work. Yeah, yeah, it's a weekend thing. So you, we, oh, it'd be a weekend thing. Yeah, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, cool. So, thanks for coming on, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. love having you. Thanks yeah. for having me. This is great. So, is that it, Pat? Um, you know the hardest part about owning a Matthews. <laughs> What's that, Pat? Telling your parents that you're. Uh, I'm not gonna. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> see you next week. <laughs> see you next week. <laughs>